The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for the first half hour is Kirk Ashburn. He's the president and CEO of Ashburn Wealth Solutions. Welcome to the show, Kirk. Well, thank you for having me. Let's just start with a little bit of your background uh, leading up to forming your own firm. Well, I've been in the industry for almost, well, more than 13 years now. Uh, was a part of a company and then really went independent about eight years ago and really saw that uh, the independent side was needed because people really just weren't getting what they uh, actually need because a lot of these companies are trying to put everyone into uh, one hole, and sometimes the square peg doesn't fit into that round hole. So going independent said, okay, I can do what's right for my clients and whatever is right so that no one is telling me that this is what we have to do. I can't stay within the lines. I was able to go outside of the lines and really uh, be able to move with the economy, what's going on, uh, if it's going down, if it's going up, and to really help my clients prepare for their future, uh, especially getting to the point of retirement. And over these last you know, 10 years, uh, it's definitely been an up-and-down ride. So I just wanted to make sure that I had the knowledge and I had the tools to help my clients through, through these times. So are you doing managed money? Are you doing individual stocks and bonds? Are you doing mutual funds, ETFs? What are some of the tools you use for your clients? So uh, really we do both sides. We do, I do the insurance side because that's part of financial planning also and the assets under management side. So we're not necessarily picking stocks. We're more creating uh, the portfolios that, the, that, that suits the client. Uh, but the first and foremost is really creating that uh, solid foundation uh, for people that are entering the retirement, and really the most important thing is that income side, making sure that they're set, making sure that they have their budgets set, and looking at what guaranteed incomes that they're going to have in the future so they're not always looking over their shoulder when they spend money. What are some of the biggest issues you hear from clients these days? And we have a very low interest rate environment. Is the low interest rates available zero pretty much on CDs and money funds a complaint for them? And what is the solution you offer to people who want income and still want safety? Well, yeah, it is definitely a big issue, especially with a lot of the clients who have been living off of CDs for for so long. And that's obviously been coming down over years. And we all know, you know, we all laugh when we say, what can a CD pay today? But uh, really, people are looking for still safety. So it's not a bad place to be. Uh, but it, the the life insurance and annuities have definitely become another safe haven for money, that making sure that they're designed properly for the, the client. But it's really looking for that, that safety through uh, either principal protection or guaranteed income. And, and that's what most of my clients, because I'm working in that uh, almost to retirement or in retirement, those are the most important issues that they're facing is 
where am I going to get my income from since I'm not working any longer? And Social Security isn't going to pay all their bills, so they have to be able to take the assets that they've accumulated and, and really turn those into what they're going to live on for, for a long time because, um, unfortunately and fortunately, uh, we're living a lot longer these days. Uh, I look at my own mother. She retired at 58, a uh, teacher in Pennsylvania, worked for 35 years. My grandmother and, and uh, great-grandmother and other people have lived in the 90s and late 90s, so my mother potentially can live as long in retirement as she did in her working years. So that's uh, a big deal to make sure that her money lasts and it's there to support her needs. So what are some of the specific tools you use to provide what you call safe high income? Well, the the most well, the most important one is the annuities at this point and making sure that they choose the right allocations for their social security because there are different ways to do that, not just three. Uh but there are many different ways to do that, but the annuity side is definitely the first because it's the only place that you can get that guaranteed income. And not really talking about variable annuities, because yes, you can get guaranteed income from variable annuities, but we'd rather have a much lower fee environment, and that's where the fixed annuity and fixed index annuities uh, can support that. You know, they've come out with these income riders uh, 10 years ago, and it's actually helping a lot of people. Again, making sure that they're designed properly and picked for the right client, because obviously there's a lot of guys out there in the industry that have no idea what they're offering to their clients so they don't always make the right decisions. But uh, immediate annuities are still a way to go because it's going to give you that guaranteed income for life because you got to remember it's what they're going to produce, not what you think they're going to produce. And that's the unfortunate part of our industry is a lot of people are selling, you know, the pie in the sky of what it could do, not what it really does. What is so, realistic? What, what would you say should um, be a realistic expectation of what people can earn from these fixed and index annuities you're, you're offering? Uh, again, there, there is a realistic, but obviously that's a hypothetical. We've seen uh, over the last 10 years people averaging 4 to 7%, but again, we know that past results never guarantee anything in the future because uh, there's years that people get zero. Uh, and even in environments that seem to be somewhat good but volatile, people can still see zeros. But we have to remember when we are even starting this conversation with the client that you're building a balance between uh, safety and risk. This is definitely your money that's going to be safe, so you can't compare the gains that you're earning there with anything that's in the market. But the one thing that you can say is, okay, is it doing the one thing that I'm going to really want in the future, and that's give me guaranteed income. If that's it, then definitely the most important part of annuity. Number two, especially with a fixed index annuity, it does offer you the opportunity to have gains, maybe not as much as the uh, the market's going to provide, but still hopefully beat inflation and obviously what CDs would be doing to do better than that. What are some of the companies you use uh, with annuities that you like? Well, there, there's obviously the top you know, A-rated companies uh, that we would prefer to use always. Allianz is one of the top in, in the country. Uh, American Equity, another top A-rated company. You have North American uh, is another top A-rated company. So uh, Guggenheim, uh, which has really come onto the market in the last few years, is doing some good things. But again, 
uh, want to look for the strongest companies out there because that's really what is backing anything that you do in an annuity is the, the strength of the company. Yeah. Let's take a broader look at the economy now. You're big on cycles, uh, economic cycles. Um, where do you see us standing in kind of the inflation, deflation uh, cycle right now? And are things getting better or worse in the world economy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that was quite a big question there. Uh, I think with the inflation and deflation, that's always a tough one to, to figure out. And I don't think anyone can really ever answer that. Uh, in textbook-wise, yes, we should be seeing inflation because of how much debt that this country is actually holding, and that's where all the inflation actually comes from is the debt. Uh, and we've never seen this amount of debt ever, uh, and not really sure how we're ever going to combat to pay that back ever. And the only way to do it, and it really doesn't even make sense, is obviously hyperinflation to somehow pay that debt off, and, and, uh, and I don't see that happening. Uh, in the same way, we need... Uh, and no one wants to hear this in, in some respects of the economy, but I think we do need to see higher interest rates coming out of the Fed because it, we need to have that strength, especially in the, the insurance companies and in our, in our pension funds because a lot of these companies are looking for those long-term rates and something that's going to give stability that, that they can hold this for, for a long period of time. And we just don't, we don't see those rates up there, and we can't stay at zero or negative uh, forever. It was only supposed to put a Band-Aid on uh, in, in their mind back when we had these financial difficulties in the early 2000s and, and then obviously in, in 2008. It was there to help boost the economy. I'm not sure if that was the right move, uh, but it wasn't supposed to stick around, and it just got stuck there. And so then, obviously, all the just creating and printing money, we weren't the only ones printing money. So that's what we see this compounding problem across the world that everyone was printing money. So it's one thing, how do we go to a safe haven to other countries when, when we're all in this massive amount of debt? So, What, what uh, have been I, some of the dislocations that have been created by zero interest rates for so long? Uh, I, I think it was, and maybe I, if I understand the question uh, the right way, I think that uh, we've been just pushing things off in our economy to not that I want a correction, but we also need almost a design correction to get back to that solid ground when when we just see the influx of all this money and when it's going to come due, we're not going to be able to pay those debts. So then what happens? I mean, you see so much in, in the uh, news today is like, okay, is the dollar going to be continue to be the reserve currency across the world. What if that isn't? What if something changes there? What does that do to us? And I don't think anyone has been able to answer that question. I don't know if I, I can't answer that question at this moment, but uh, it, it's definitely something that uh, a lot of these funds, the hedge funds, uh, we just keep building these, this massive amount of a derivative market that, again, is sitting on almost thin air, and all of it has been created out of speculation that what happens when all of these trillions trillions of dollars fail? And, and you see a lot of guys out there like Harry Dent uh, that are really talking about we could be going back down to 6,000 in the Dow. That's, that's a massive decline. I'm not saying that. But here are guys that have been studying the markets for you know decades, and, and this is what they're saying. So how would you prepare so, for that kind of environment? 
I, I think, again, you're looking for safety because right now, uh, even though people think they've been in some sort of a bull market, I don't believe that. I think we've been in a bear market since about 2000. Uh, and most bear markets last around 20 years, so we've, and they have those cycles, those seven-year cycles, and we've seen two declines, and we're looking for the third. But the way to prepare at this moment is, here again, you're hearing more than just me say this, it's time to prepare, uh, that, that we could see a major decline. So take those big gains that you've seen over the last five years, and get them off the table. It's just like if you're sitting in the casino, you don't want to be playing with your money. Play with the, play with the casino's money, but even more so, take those gains off and make them safe. You know, people can make a choice. It could be in the bank. It could be in treasuries. It could be annuities. Something that's going to give you that principal protection that you're going to be prepared to be able to get back in once you once we see this decline happen. And I think it could be for another year. There's people who are saying it's going to last for three years. But at least get that off the table so you're not going to go backwards once again. Because if you make a straight line from 2000 all the way to today, we're not much farther ahead than we were then. Yeah, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Kirk Ashburn. He's the president and CEO of Ashburn Wealth Solutions. A website to find out more about him is ashburn.fixedincomecouncil.com. We'll be back after this. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more, not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Kirk Ashburn. He's the president and CEO of Ashburn Wealth Solutions. You can find out more about him at his website, ashburn.fixedincomecouncil.com. Welcome back to the show, Kirk. Thank you. So you were, it's a kind of an apocalyptic view you had, I must say, that we don't know exactly when, but it's all going to come down at some point. Uh, other than the annuities and things you were talking about, how about gold as a uh, safe haven in this kind of environment? What do you think of the, the prospects for gold? Uh, 
I, I think it's still a good prospect. I think there's a lot of people out there, again, saying that it could go further, but I think we've hit uh, another level that I think it should be sustained there. So I think we've hit the bottom there. So I think we we have definitely room now to go up. And when we see this type of volatility out there, uh, it tends to go up. Uh, I'm not saying that it will, but I still think it's a, a safe place at this moment that you could park some of your money. Again, not 100%, not 50%, but, you know, that safe amount that if something does happen, you, you have that. You have that solid piece of metal that has always been there for centuries, millennium, <laughs> you know, that so, it's always been there to be to be something. And, and I really don't want to be apocalyptic. I just want people to be prepared. Because so would, you, would you do gold as physical gold, or would you buy uh, GLD or gold mining shares? How would you play the gold portion of your portfolio? I've always been in the in the sense of the hard the hard currency, the actual metal, and, and usually sticking with uh, denominations of country. So if it's our gold eagle, uh, I say stick to that. You know, the Australian mint, the Canadian mint, things of that, because they're always going to be able to be turned in for their true value. I've seen working with a lot of people will buy big bars of silver, even bars of gold. Uh, when you return that, if you ever want to sell it back to a refinery, normally they're just going to melt it down because they want to make sure that it is proper, that there isn't something negligent going on. So they're not always going to give you the, you know, the full spot price when you sell it back. So that's why I always stick with gold coins. Okay. So, uh, so we, I think we have your view that uh, this has been this huge bubble built, built up for a long time. The party's going to yeah. end at some time. You're not sure exactly when. In the stock market, what areas do you like? Or do you think you should take all your money out of the stock market and completely take your chips off the table? No, I, I don't think you should take everything. I, and, and like I said before, it's take your winnings off. Get back to where you were. Get that good foundation between safety and risk. Uh, but what we're looking at and what we've been seeing for the, the last decades, we're following that wave of baby boomers. So you're looking for good, solid things that are still within that category. And we still see medicine. Obviously, that's a big deal when people are getting older. Uh, the long-term care industry, the pharmaceutical industries are still going to be big because it's basically followed that wave. You know, you have a, at one point in, in our their lifetime, you know, baby baby toys, kids' toys were big. Obviously, they're still big today, but they've had these ebbs and flows with the baby boomers coming through each generation of their life. So if you follow where they're at, that's where I think there's going to still be some good success and some strong uh, stocks and some strong industries out there. So healthcare is one of your favorites. And then uh, the drug companies and uh, HMOs, things like that, just maybe be a little bit more specific. What specific kinds of health companies would you like? Well, I, I think that obviously we have issues with our health care, and I don't want to just say health companies across the board, but I think the biggest uh, industry is still going to be the pharmaceuticals, anything that is helping with aging populations. Uh, so within, I mean, you can make a list, I'm sure I'm not along, of everything that's in the health insurance industry to uh, technical instruments, to the drugs, to the facilities, uh, they're all going to still be pretty strong because of that aging population is now in, it's getting closer to that need and it started, we've started seeing that need. Even with long-term care, I don't want to get into that specifically, but we've seen those companies start to restructure because more and more people are using that service. Yeah. So, uh, 
I think it's just really, again, you got to follow that wave of, of baby boomers. Okay. Uh, on, the, on the global scale, you follow uh, global economics as well. Um, and you've been concerned about r- both Russia and China. China has been a major growth engine for a long time. Uh, what do you see happening with China and what's going to be impact on the world economy? Uh, I, I think all of the world economies are in a little bit of trouble. Obviously, we don't want to go into all the wars and what's going on out there. That's scary enough. But I think especially China has built been built on the same growth mentality, and it's just not there any longer. Uh, and it's in that same uh, segment of the baby boomers. It was through that entire growth cycle that all these things were happening. Uh, if it was the construction in homes, we're seeing, especially in China, they 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 were on that premise that things were just going to keep going, that the party was just going to continue. And, and I can't say specifically, but I, I've read and have seen that there are somewhat large cities that there's no one there. They've built these massive cities, these massive complexes, and no one's living there because people don't have that money. I mean, you have people living in so many of these rural communities, they're not going to come in and live in these city environments. First of all, they don't have the money. And second, it's just not their life. And and we've seen a lot of China, China just did that over the years, thinking it was just going to continue. We've done somewhat of the same thing here, uh, but we still have such a great population in different segments. But what concerns me globally is also the population growth, because we've seen a lot of decline in many countries, if not all countries across the world. And I don't know to have the statistics right in my head at this moment, but there's something like you need to continuously have a 2.6 growth per family, and we don't have that. You know, we have close to like a 1.5 in a lot of the nations, and that's where we start to see now another breakdown that you don't have the same amount of money going into every part of the industry because we don't have the same population growth. So, so how, that's let's, another let's, let's talk about China specifically. So they've, they've been yeah. massive overbuilding, as you call it. These ghost cities have been built. Yeah. So, so is China going to have a big fall, and what will be the impact on the United States and the rest of the world economy if the Chinese economy – not only stops growing, but actually starts declining. Uh, I think, I mean, you said it. I mean, we're, I think we could see just another decline because that was a part of our buildup, how much stuff was going there, how much of their stuff was coming here. When they don't have that same growth, they're not spending the same amount of money, and they have some of the same debts that we have. So I think, again, I don't want this to happen, but I think we have that same perfect storm that we were seeing in 2008. Uh, with the mortgage-backed securities, I think we have built another time period that we have built all this uh, uh, leverage and this derivative off of thin air that it doesn't exist, and it's all going to come back due once again. And when that happens, when all these companies and countries have built their 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 infrastructure on that, uh, there is going to be a major decline. Because so now you... people's debts are going to come due. There's, there, again, we're back to another, a lot of people are in debt again. Uh, you're going to see another time period. If interest rates go up, yes, I think there's a good part of that, and they, they're almost going to have to. But now we're going to see another problem. People aren't going to be able to pay their adjustable mortgages or their adjustable rates on credit. So we have to do at some point. We have to make this correction. So, so if, just, if, if you see that coming, sure? if you see that coming, Kirk, yeah. And you see this big down, the kind of deflating of this huge debt bubble. Are you actively uh, going to profit from that and go going short and you know make, profiting? If you knew in advance that 2008 was coming down, 
you could a lot of made made a lot of money on the short side. Are you preparing for that as well on the short side? Uh, I think a lot of people are, and I definitely have a lot of clients that are preparing for that. Uh, but we're also preparing for uh, just to get them to a safer ground to make sure that they have what they need, not even to take the risk of it's not going to happen or if or if it does happen, but to really just prepare them to make sure that they have their needs met. So if, that's okay, first and in, foremost. In, in, in addition to what you've said before about keeping your money safe and taking money off the table and going into annuities and these safe kind of things, if you want to actively bet on the kind of deflationary bubble you're talking about bursting, how would you profit from that in an aggressive way, going short? Uh, I, I think that, one, uh, before we go there, because I, I, I don't really like to take people down that road, uh, especially when I don't know people's current situations, but looking for things that they like. Do your research. We are in a time period that we can do our own research on any company. So if you're buying stocks, you know, look into it. Look into what they're good at, what is good in our economy today. And that's why I said really the baby boomer side, but there's still other stuff. There's a lot of going, lot going on in the tech side. But, yes, when, when you're looking at uh, the currency wars that we're seeing, we're going to continue to see that because that's not over. We got Russia getting into things that you know we should have never probably been in, and now they're getting into it. So, uh, yes, I still think that we need to bet on the downside. Very good. All right. Well, thank you. Um, so, just to kind of sum up where we are, uh, you basically think the economy has been kind of growing at a slow level, but building up a lot of debt, and it's getting to a dangerous level. You don't know exactly when it's going to come down, but you, you're expecting a big economic downturn is that and, and then you people should therefore be preparing for that is that kind of summing up where you're at i think you should absolutely be preparing for it but if it was just in the basis of how i would talk to anyone i meet with every any moment that you can rebalance because you have gone above and beyond where you would like to be if you want to be a 50 50 style person 50 percent safe 50 percent risk if you get out of whack Sell it off. You know, you need to create that wealth into the safer environments. But what we do is we get that greed. In the last five years, everything has been going well, and now we've surpassed where we were. And if you can't see that we're higher than we've ever been, yes, we had that little bit of correction over the last couple of weeks, but it's time. It's time to get all of your earnings off the table and probably even more. Take a second look at what you're supposed to be doing. Don't just take your advisor's advice. Don't let them just say everything is fine. Really take a closer look at where you're at in life. What are you preparing for? And get ready. Just make sure. Hey, if it doesn't happen, at least you were safe. Very good. All right, well, you've given us a good amount of warning, so people are definitely warned. Um, my guest this half hour has been Kirk Ashburn. He's the president and CEO of Ashburn Wealth Solutions. You can find out more about him at his website, which is ashburn.fixedincomecouncil.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Kirk. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, and we'll be back after the break. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. 
The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest for this half hour is Ross Givens. Uh, His website is Wealth Empire. Welcome back to the show, Ross. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So just tell us a little bit about Wealth Empire and what kind of services you offer there. Well, what we do, you know, we do an investment newsletter uh, and a couple of other educational products, but the whole premise behind the company is to kind of teach people to build sort of their own wealth empire, right, and think about their own finances as sort of a holding company, similar to Berkshire Hathaway or something else. So, you know, you think about your stock portfolio or maybe a, you know, local restaurant you own or, you know, it can be anything, these several kind of mini businesses that all generate cash flows for yourself. Uh, Now, one of the main products we produce is something called the 13F Insider Newsletter. And what it does is track the trading activity of the top hedge fund managers in the country. And so we sort of operate under the premise that, you know, if we take the the absolute best investors on Wall Street take their absolute best top high conviction trade ideas and put together a couple dozen of those uh, into a personal portfolio. You know it's going to be pretty tough not to outperform. So these are the uh, moves of these hedge fund managers in their own personal accounts or what their hedge funds are doing. Well, typically both. I mean, most hedge fund managers have the bulk of their own net worth uh, in their own fund. So typically you're seeing both. Um, You know, a lot of people don't realize if you do business in the United States as a money manager and you manage, you know, more than 100 million or more than, I think, 10 million or 100 million dollars, you have to report on a quarterly basis something called a 13F filing with the SEC. And that filing shows all of your long stock positions how many shares you have, the value, and any additions or subtractions you made. So, um, you know, if you know where to look and know how to cull that data, you can get a pretty good inside look at what these guys are doing uh, for their clients that are paying generally millions of dollars in fees to participate in those funds. What is the lag time between when people actually make the trades and when they have to report them? 
And does, is that significant in acting on that information? No, it's a very good question. And so, you know, generally these are reported on a quarterly basis. There can be as much as a 90-day delay on it. Uh, a couple of things to point out with that. One, generally these funds are buying stocks that they plan on holding for two, three, four years in the future. So, you know, not only does it take them several months to build up a position generally because they're spending, you know, hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars, um, generally these stocks don't move a great deal between when they try to buy them and when, and when we uh, you know, get alerted to that. In addition, you can also get some value plays, right? So to give you an example, Coral Icon took a big position in LNG, Schneer Energy, um, last quarter. He's even been buying more last month. You know, He's buying the stock uh, in the 60s, 70s, and 60s, and now we get a chance to buy the 50s. You can get even better prices than they are. Uh, another thing we do, you know, we only track – top managers that have one, you know, multi-decade proven track records and two, a low turnover ratio, right? So, you know, there's some funds out there that are uh, day and swing trading. There's quant funds like uh, uh, Renaissance Technologies and some of the others. Those are pretty difficult to follow. You really can't do it. So, you want to stick with the long-term, you know, money managers that have a multi-year focus on their investments. What has been the track record of following these 13F filings? Uh, compared to the indices or, you know, what kind of outperformance have you delivered uh, by doing the strategy? Well, it's been, it's been really strong. It's tough to, to, to pinpoint a, um, you know, direct dollar number on it because some some ideas you may want to put more dollars into than others. I will tell you the last couple of months we've actually underperformed the index just because, you know, a lot of these stocks that these guys are targeting – tend to be more volatile in nature because of the type of trading activity they're getting. You know, these aren't mutual funds buying a few shares every single day. Uh, these are companies that are active targets of hedge fund managers and activist managers. So, you know, it's it's not uncommon to see these things swing 30, 40% one way or the other, um, you know, over maybe a six-month period. So we have seen some, some downside volatility uh, over the last couple of months. i Personally, I'm viewing that as an opportunity to pick up you know, larger positions, some of these stocks at even better prices. But no, it's definitely not something that's guaranteed to outperform on a short-term basis. You know, it's something that we're seeing outperformance on a long-term perspective. So uh, what has been the long-term outperformance? If, if you look at this over a longer period of time, what do, how do you typically outperform? So in a long-term outperformance, the hedge funds we're tracking and the, and the, the signals we're giving are generally outperforming the market by somewhere in the neighborhood of 5 to 6% a year if you had to kind of get a big picture outlook at it. Okay. Uh, so tell me exactly how it works. Somebody subscribes to your 13F filing. Do you get uh, monthly reports or you say buy yeah. the stock now? How does the whole thing work? Yeah, so we do a monthly report um, uh, You know that, that tries to identify the big high-conviction ideas that have taken place since the last report, and we'll do official recommendations for particular stocks and say, you know, we're recommending this stock underneath a certain price. Um, you know, these things are filed on a quarterly basis, so once a quarter, the report tends to be very, very large, and we'll kind of cull the data of all these top hedge funds and give you, you know, a breakdown of what sectors are getting the most dollars, what stocks are seeing the most buying and selling as a whole. Uh, and then in between, the monthly reports will generally identify you know, a couple of really strong opportunities because these guys, not only do they have to file on a quarterly basis, if they buy 5% or more of a publicly traded company, that must be reported within 14 days. So a lot of these alerts we're giving 
Um, for instance, Warren Buffett's been buying uh, big chunks of Phillips 66 PSX uh, during the months of August and September, and that information becomes available within two weeks. So that was kind of one of our recommendations for the most recent newsletter that's going out tomorrow. So what are some of the – you mentioned Phillips 66. What are some other companies that the, the smart hedge funds have been buying heavily lately? Well, one of the big ones um, is Apple. Obviously, Apple's a huge stock right now. It's a big target of Carl Icahn, who made a lot of news when he took a big position in that stock. It continues to buy. It's very undervalued. I can definitely see his case for it going forward. Uh, David Tupper, Tepper, excuse me, arguably one of the absolute best hedge fund managers on Wall Street. His his decade-long track record is something like 30% a year on average. Uh, his big holding right now is General Motors, and it's not a it's not a sexy you know, dot-com or telecom or anything like that, but it's a stock that is trading at a fairly low multiple. Analysts are expecting their earnings to jump from around $1.70, $1.80 a share to over $4 a share in 2016. So you got a stock trading at $30. They're expected to make 4 bucks a share. If it gets a market multiple of, say, 15 you know, you could potentially have a, a stock go from thirty dollars to sixty dollars over a fairly short period of time, and that's a it's a very significant move for a large cap uh, Dow stock like General Motors. Well, it's not a Dow stock anymore, but uh, you know, it so that's another that's a, yeah, that's another big one as well. Um, and then I'm seeing the energy space. I mentioned the Icon earlier. You know, he bought a big chunk of LNG. Buffett bought PSX. Uh, we're definitely seeing a lot of these hedge fund managers get into some of the larger energy and, and, and crude stocks now with prices low, as the majority of them are at heart value investors, and they're trying to pick up positions. Again, they don't know what, what crude's going to do the next month, the next quarter, but they believe, as I do, that over the next two to three years, energy will recover. We'll see a, a push higher in prices based on uh, you know some of these smaller shops closing down, the supply drying up a bit, and uh, hopefully profit from that move by, by holding these stocks. Now, overall, you track CEO activity, is that correct? And, and whether CEOs are buying or selling their own shares or how much their own shares they're buying. What are you finding in that uh, circumstance today? That's right. No, thanks for bringing that up. You know, one of the other things we track um, is, is what's called insider activity. And the SEC is going to define an insider as, you know, a CEO, a CFO, company executives, anyone who owns 5% or more of that stock. And when you look at the, the multi-year track record of CEOs, they have an uncanny ability of timing the market extremely well. Um, you know, these are men and women who have an intimate knowledge of their own company. And you know, when they're putting their dollars, their personal money into the company stock, they have to report that. Uh, and it gets filed. Now, in the last 10 years, when you track the buy-to-sell ratio, so in other words, you know, are they are, are more CEOs buying their stock versus selling it? It's only been positive three times in the last decade. Once was November 08 to March of 09, you know, with the, with the big crash, undoubtedly the best time to buy stocks in, in many decades. The second time was uh, August, September of 2011, that one little pullback we had in the market in this bull run. And the third time was last month, uh, well, two months ago, I guess, August of, of 2015, when we had just that absolute kind of mini crash, so to speak, where the S&P went down to 1831, and they were buying it up heavily then. So, you know, that to me is a very bullish indicator for the markets that these these men and women who are phenomenal investors, extremely intelligent business people who have better knowledge of their company than you and I could ever dream of, uh, they're seeing it as an opportunity and putting their own personal dollars in it. So uh, you, you, you have like an overall index of insider buying, or how do you kind of measure that? Yeah, so we, we measure the uh, – 
the CEO activity from the from the S and P five hundred, so that all the CEOs of the Fortune five hundred companies and all their buying Excel and selling activity activity is tracked, and so we just compare the number of buys and number of sales to get a buy sell ratio. And you know, people need to remember: look, CEOs' compensation is you know they get a decent salary, but a big bulk of their compensation is stock and stock options, right? They want to reward them if the company performs well. So them selling their company stock isn't really a bearish indicator. I mean, maybe they're buying a new house, maybe they're sending a kid to college. There's any number of reasons they could liquidate some of that stock just to free up cash flow. But the only reason they're going to spend their money, personal money, to buy even more of their company stock is if they're extremely bullish on it and think the price is going higher. So that's why those CEO buys carry so much weight. Um, and when that put, you know, buy-sell ratio gets positive, uh, you know, I get extremely interested. What is the lag between when you get a strong positive uh, signal in case now of CEOs buying and when the market tends to do well after that? Well, you know, their reporting lag is only 14 days. So it's 14 days from when they make the purchase to when that becomes public information. So when I look back over the last decade, uh, you know, these men and women generally, and I think 08, 09, we, we kind of call that a black swan event. You know, they started, that's as bad as it gets, so to speak. They started buying in November, kept it positive through March, and the market picked up. Uh, when we look back to the 11 dip, it was the very next month. So generally, we're seeing one to two months. Uh, maximum between when they're buying heavily and when the market pushes higher. So we, we're all, you know, the SB is already up, call it a hundred points or so from when they were being, uh, you know, doing the buying and showing their bullish hand. And I, I, I think the market's going to continue higher uh, over this quarter and next year. What are two or three companies that have had massive, uh, significant insider CEO buying recently? Uh, the energy, the inter, most of the energy sector, we're seeing a lot of that. You know, we're seeing um, uh, ConocoPhillips, a lot of insider buying. Exxon Mobil, a lot of insider buying. Phillips, obviously, buying alongside Buffett. Um, Apple's seen a good, a good chunk of insider buying. Uh, GM kind of has as well. You know, I like to kind of find that trifecta where we see, you know, three. I want to see three people buying the stock. I want to see. Top hedge fund managers who know the stuff inside and out and have teams of analysts. I want to see the insiders at the company buying their own stock. And then I want to see the company itself buying stock through share buybacks. They're going to create real value for shareholders and uh, concentrate our, our outside holdings. So when we see all three of those in combination, uh, I get really excited about it. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest for this half hour is Ross Givens. He's the chief market analyst at Wealth Empire. You can find out more about him at wealthempire.com. We'll be back after this. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. 
What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Does your business, like many, face obstacles to becoming successful? Would you love to have an open forum of entrepreneurial ideas and best practices brought to you each week? Tune in for The Second Stage with hosts Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. We'll spotlight entrepreneurs and growing companies that are creating a vibrant economic base, as well as addressing some of the obstacles that could be standing in the way of your success. Listen Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this half hour is Ross Givens. He's the Chief Market Analyst at Wealth Empire. Uh, The website for him is wealthempire.com. Welcome back to the show, Ross. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So you like to talk about alternative investments, uh, not the traditional stock and bonds and mutual funds. What are some alternatives uh, that you favor these days? Well, there's a handful of opportunities uh, I think available to people depending on you know their their skill set and the amount of time they want to dedicate it to. So you know there are things like timberland investment, which is just literally land that trees grow on um, that over time has shown to return somewhere in a seven to nine percent a year range. So you know if you've got a uh, a dollar amount investment that can afford you know a certain number of acreage. Um, that's a nice way to a nice way to diversify some dollars that's not dependent on the markets or interest rates or anything else trees trees grow in recessions the same as they you know the same as they do in, in bull markets so you're talking um, about buying physical timberland or uh, timberland REITs and uh, companies that play timberland well, REITs, REITs and companies that play timberland is another way to do it um, if you have the dollars, I think the return's going to be better on actually buying direct timberland. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, you know, there are some REITs that participate in that, and there are some managed funds. The managed funds tend to have about a quarter million dollar minimum, uh, but there are some REITs that do it. You're just going to lose a little bit of the performance and fees and, and, and the like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some other alternative investments. There's there's managed there's managed funds. You know, I wrote a uh, about a 1500 word article on CTA funds. There's a guy in this building who, for a living, raises I don't want to say raises money for CTA funds, but he's basically a financial advisor that only does CTA funds. He's technically an introducing broker. And there's a lot of these funds out there. That CTA have, is commodity trading account, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Commodity trading advisor. They're managed investment programs similar to a hedge fund or something, but the difference is they trade commodity futures. So some of these and, and the best ones will specialize. So maybe they just trade meats, maybe they just trade metals, maybe they just trade, you know, timber or, or, or indexes, whatever. Uh, but these guys that have, you know, five, ten year track records, they've got 
you can look back at all the performers to kind of see the maximum drawdown and, and what their average return is. You can use notional funds. It's a way to kind of increase your leverage. So you can give them you know, $25,000 and tell them to trade it like fifty. Um, and you'll kind of double the, the the gains and losses there. But you know he's got over a hundred clients that are averaging thirty thirty five percent a year that are experiencing minimal drawdowns. Um, that's a good way to diversify some dollars there. And then if someone's what, what, retired, what, what, what is the minimum that typically people typically need to put into a CTA fund? So CTA minimums typically are fifty or a hundred thousand dollars. But the, like I said, the, the fact that you can use notional funds really opens it up for other people. So let me give you an example. There's one that's really good. Um, that he uses, the guy has an average annual return of about seven to eight percent, and his maximum drawdown, you know, from from peak to valley is two percent. So let's say he's got a hundred thousand dollar minimum. If you're okay with let's say ten percent maximum drawdown versus two, well, you can give him twenty thousand dollars, tell him to trade it like a hundred. Okay, so you've essentially got a hundred thousand dollar account with him, but you only have to give him twenty grand. And then based on those numbers, your average annual return based on his history is somewhere in the 30 to 40% range and the maximum drawdown somewhere in the 10% range. So it opens it up to, to, to investors that maybe don't have a six-figure dollar amount they want to put at it um, through using those notional funds. And they can profit just as much if things are falling as when they're rising. It doesn't matter. Just catching the trends is what they're doing, right? Yeah, and that's the idea. You know, Some of these guys are selling spreads or selling options around them. Some of them uh, are just kind of riding the trends. It's, it's, you really want to use an introducing broker that specializes in CTA funds because they know these programs in and out. That's their job for a living is to monitor their performance, talk with the CTA manager, see what their strategy is. But you, know, the, you, you want to go with these guys that have five, ten years of history that have performed well in bull markets and bear markets. And you know, if you're trading – uh, you know, live feeder cattle or something on the on the CME exchange. You know, it's it's not really dependent on on the, the the current state of the stock market. So, right, it's very uncorrelated for the most part. Uh huh. Okay. So we have Timberland managed CTA funds. What are some other alternatives you recommend? Uh, well, you know, rental property is always a nice one. Um, you know, it's something people are pretty familiar with. You know, I've uh, done some articles on that on the site as well. Kind of some. Uh, rules of thumb you want to have for real estate, but you know this isn't buying a you know half million dollar house you're trying to rent out. I mean, for the most part, you're looking at hundred, hundred fifty thousand dollar homes. You want to you know find them where you can rent them out for one you know, percent of the home value per month. Um, you know, and, and and done well depending on how you structure the mortgage. People can make anywhere from five or six to maybe ten to eleven percent a year on that on those properties, and hopefully get some appreciation out of it as well. Um, is the way you do that is to buy rental properties in growing markets? Where you might have to pay a higher price, or do you like to buy them in depressed markets where you can get them cheaper? Well, I think there's opportunities in both. You know, really, it all depends on the price you're going to pay for it, right? So whether you're talking about a booming real estate market, it's not necessarily what the real estate market's doing. You want to see, you want to be in an area um, where there is a viable rental market, all right? So I'm in Mobile, Alabama, right? Not exactly the boom and bustle of the United States, but nonetheless, there are areas where you know you can rent out an $800 or $900 a month house all day long if it's in a, if it's in the right place. So, uh, you know, it could be condos if you're in a bigger city, it could be physical properties with a yard. Um, it's it's really less about, you know, and unless you're in the next Detroit or something. It's less about what the the overall picture looks like and more about what that cap rate and the return you can achieve uh, based on uh, all expenses. And, if, if you don't have experience in this, would you hire a property manager or how would you – and it, do you have to keep in 
the area where you live, or you can do rental properties all over the country? You can do it all over the country. I mean, my advice to anyone wanting to do it, if you don't have the experience, you know, read, learn about it. It's really not as difficult as you'd think um, to, to get into. You know, there's lots of resources online, most of them free, just to dig up and do research on what it's like to do rental properties. I like doing them local to you because if something happens, you know, it's nice to be able to go there uh, and not have to call someone for every, you know, light bulb that's out or uh, you know, washer disposal or sink disposal that's going yep. out. You, know, and you can visit and and you know the other thing, property managers they're they're ten, generally going to charge you ten percent of the rent per month. And when they first find you a tenant, they'll charge you maybe up to eighty percent that first month. So if you find a good tenant, they say they're four or five years, not a big deal. Maybe it's worth ten percent to you. If you have a high turnover, it starts getting expensive. So um, again, I kind of reserve that for someone who has the space, has the time to do it, has a little bit of know how, doing some basic fixes and things. Um, and look, it, you know, it, it doesn't take rocket science. A decent ad on Craigslist with some good pictures and a phone number they can reach you and go and show in the home. Uh, you know, finding that tenant is is one very small piece of it, and it's generally pretty maintenance free. So as we come to a close, why don't you just kind of summarize the things that you offer at Wealth Empire as far as both tracking insiders, hedge funds, and some of these alternatives. Yeah, so I mean, again, the, the idea of the Wealth Empire is to, is to teach individual investors to create their own wealth empire. Whether you're making $40,000 a year, $400,000 a year, uh, you know, actively using uh, the tools at your disposal, whether that's leverage in a rental property or uh, investments in, in quality companies you expect to grow, to build yourself a residual level of income that will pay you in retirement in, in years to come or potentially future generations. So we've got uh, a newsletter, the 13F Insider, for those who want to focus on the stock market. And then we also offer specialized training in everything from rental properties to timberland, to tax lien certificates, to uh, you know a number of, of small businesses that can require anywhere from $10,000 down to $100,000 down to create yourself residual sources of income that will pay you uh, going into the future. Very good. It's been very interesting. My guest this hour, this half hour, has been Ross Givens, the Chief Market Analyst at Wealth Empire. You can find out more about all the things we've talked about at the website, wealthempire.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Ross. Hey, thanks so much, Jordan. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much, and we'll be back with another edition of The Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.